This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Senate Ag Committee Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta and their well-being portal. Syngenta believes we are all stronger together. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Michigan U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow next. During this unprecedented time, Syngenta offers resources to protect more than crops. Syngenta's well-being portal connects people with ways to stay healthy and active, manage stress, and enjoy more of life. To access the portal, click the link in AgriPulse. Syngenta believes we're all stronger together. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The Growing Climate Solutions Act is seen as a win-win for both farmers and the environment. Michigan U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow says the proposed legislation establishes a verifiable framework for carbon trading that could mean new revenue streams for rural America, a much improved atmosphere, and healthier soil. Well, we believe that agriculture is and can be leaders in the whole question of uh, stopping carbon pollution. And, you know, our farmers on the front lines every day, both in terms of the weather, the chaos, seeing it more than anybody else. There's not a business that's riskier than uh, farming and ranching. And then um, on top of that, you know, the folks that want to protect the land more than anybody else are farmers. So I've been really pleased that as we've, uh, the last number of farm bills I've been involved in leading that we've added to conservation, sustainability, our, our healthy soils project that we did this last time around, uh, National Corn Growers and so many others were involved in putting together, was really pretty common sense. You've got more carbon in the soil, the soil's healthier, you keep it out of the air, you have less carbon pollution. So, um, so our um, Growing Climate Solutions Act is it's voluntary. It is producer-led. All the input came from producers, and it's bipartisan. And it's a, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's common sense. How do we support farmers and ranchers uh, to do what they want to do uh, in a you know in a way that gets them all the information tools they need to be more sustainable and to slow down the rate of carbon pollution and greenhouse gases. So many months ago, the cap-and-trade debate was feared by rural America. How is this different, and can the USDA facilitate such a program that those who are willing to invest in sequestration can know that they're getting what they pay for and that farmers can benefit from it? Well, I think, first of all, I want to make sure that this is in the USDA and not another part of the federal government. So that's a really important reason to put this bill in place. Uh, the USDA works with our farmers and ranchers and rural communities and is more trusted than other parts of the federal government. And so we want uh, the leadership coming through uh, the USDA to be able to get this done and the fact of the matter is what we are talking about is ways to identify the experts that uh, farmers can uh, work with on what they could be doing and how they could be, um, you know, doing things in a way that will 
uh, create more carbon sequestration and how do we measure it? Farmers need to know if they do certain practices, they, that there's integrity in those systems and that they can count on it. They're not getting bad advice. So we need to set up certifications so they know if they're doing certain practices, they can be certified. They can then um, have a value put on the carbon. We have voluntary uh, carbon markets right now and have seen things work. The very first project we did funded in part by the Farm Bill was in North Dakota a few years ago through our conservation innovation grants and it was about protecting prairie land and uh, my own General Motors purchased the uh, you know, the, the credits. And so, uh, and we've had a, a very successful project down in Arkansas with rice growers and Microsoft purchased the credits. And so, um, we have seen these efforts happening. We just need to really ramp it up. We need a lot more of it and we need, uh, I, I hear from so many farmers in Michigan, like, you know, I'm interested in this. You know, I was meeting with a group of cherry growers back before all of this happened with COVID-19 and they were saying, you know, we, we want to do more. We're not sure where to start. We're, we're not sure, you know, how we do this. So this bill is creating the way for farmers to start, to have information, to have um, certified experts that uh, they can um, count on, to have a system of uh, integrity that they can count on, and then then they will know uh, with third-party verifiers and technical help and so on, um, you know, what they can do, and it's their choice if they do it. But if they do it, this uh, there's no doubt in my mind that in the end, this is another commodity for our farmers. This is really going to raise uh, revenue. Do you have an idea of what revenue is possible? And if you could get traction, how soon would you have it done? Well, I'm not sure I would put numbers on it right now, but I think given um, what's happening on the farm and all the costs and, you know, the input costs and uh, the challenges, uh, ups and downs around the weather and trade and and what's been happening uh, with everything else, um, you know, an awful lot of folks I talk to are barely breaking even, and a lot of them aren't breaking even. And so um, we know that, you know, we're, we're talking about um, substantial dollars. And I would hope that as we go forward this year and we look at other packages we need to do to support agriculture, that we would make this part of it because the sooner we get this in place, the sooner farmers can begin to use this process. Um, and again, um, this is about agriculture leading uh, in, in my mind. And when we look at about 9% of the carbon pollution comes from agricultural practices, and agriculture can be a much bigger part of the solution in terms of really, um, you know, solving a, a huge crisis that's right in front of us here on, on the havoc that carbon pollution is uh, having on our uh, weather in our atmosphere and do it in a way that is um, creating uh, revenue for farmers as well. Senator, the CFET program is in place now with assistance going to various commodity groups. Is that program effective for all of uh, commodities that are raised in Michigan? What's being left out? 
Well, I'm concerned that is not at this point helping certainly folks in Michigan when we look at where the dollars have gone. And I was very involved in the last package to be able to add substantial additional dollars. But when we look at about half the cash receipts in the country are specialty crops, fruits and vegetables of all kind across the country. And um, as of June 22nd, the payments to our specialty crop uh, farmers totaled only $84 million, and let me put that in perspective, $84 million. Livestock industry received almost $2 billion. Non-specialty crops received $1 billion, and the dairy industry received $895 million. Now, I am not in any way suggesting, you know, that we shouldn't be helping those industries. In fact, the number one commodity in Michigan is dairy, and so... Um, I certainly, you know, care, and we have certainly have uh, all kinds of row crops. We have more diversity than any other state but California, so we have everything. But there's something wrong with this picture when, you know, about half of what's grown in terms of cash receipts in the country um, in, in various kinds of specialty crops uh, is only getting $84 million. And the way the formulas were set up just doesn't fit because... Uh, it, it's different when you are growing fruits and vegetables for restaurants and others where, you know, January was fine, uh, February was fine, and then March, everything fell through the floor. You know, everything stopped. All the major purchasers stopped. And, um, and so it's not the same as uh, talking about and corn, soybean, and wheat, and uh, wheat and livestock, and so on. It's it, and unfortunately, the department does not um, right now take into account how the specialty crop marketplace works, and that's a serious problem. So, in response to the Heroes Act, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said, "Quote: We've borrowed enough." suggesting any new package that would come through the upper chamber would be more conservative and would be tied specifically to a COVID response. Uh, given the areas that are still in need, given the challenges now of the 2020 cropping season, how big should this package be? And what strings need to be attached to any additional spending that might be made available, whether through CCC or in direct payments uh, through the Department of Agriculture? Well, you know, we're in a situation right now where um, it is uh, riskier for our economy, for uh, the American people, for families. Uh, It's riskier if we don't act than if we do act. And so I don't know what the exact number is, but I do know, first of all, we're not done with the health pandemic. We're nowhere near done with the health crisis and the need for uh, the the equipment and um, uh, you know the the healthcare costs related to that the testing costs that directly relate to our being able to open up safely our schools and our businesses and farmers to be able to operate uh, with their farm workers and and uh, others it's it we're nowhere near where we need to be to be prepared for keeping our people. So we have to address that, and we have to continue to address opening up the economy. And uh, we know that in the middle of all of this, that um, we've had serious supply chain issues. You know, whether the the supply chain that uh, goes to the grocery store has continued, but if you're 
selling to fast food and restaurants and large entities um, and so on, you know, things really broke down. And so I've got a bill, a food supply uh, protection act that is um, widely supported um, by um, everyone from all of our agricultural community to food banks and other uh, folks involved in food access uh, to to support our you know retooling some of our distribution and processing centers, giving them the safety uh, the equipment and things that they need, uh, and also um, strengthening uh, our uh, purchases in a way that we get the food on the bulk purchasing, uh, as I call it, supply chain side of things, over to the food bank. We don't want to be dumping milk. None of our dairy farmers want to dump milk or, or plow under fruits and vegetables or, you know, or anything else. Um, we've got to be able to figure out a way during this crisis when there's so many families in need to be able to move those things over to the food banks and so on. So that needs to be part of it as well. It's hard to look very far down the line when you're surrounded by so many issues, but from the bigger picture, does ag spending now, in your opinion, jeopardize a 2023 farm bill? And and we've, we've changed policy to be more market-oriented, but whether it's the uh, the MAP funds or whether it's uh, CFAP now or another program, can we get back to being market-oriented in our approach to ag? Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, this involves um, having a set of trade policies that are consistent and not so chaotic. That I mean, you know, no matter how you look at it, from from my perspective, I mean, it's been very chaotic. Um, I supported putting in place USMCA, but frankly, it didn't need to be done the way it was done, which is so chaotic. And we still need to make sure, you know, that things are in place to to be able to move forward. We don't know, really know what's happening with China. Um, there's so many variables for farmers to have to figure out right now uh, in the marketplace. And so even though we put together a set of farm policies, agriculture and food policies that I think uh, make a lot of sense, we had the biggest bipartisan vote ever in the United States Senate when we passed this farm bill and we expanded what we did with with MAP and, you know, we've set up a new uh, trade leader in uh, USDA and so on. But then we go into all of this, and frankly, the way the payments have been set up are not following uh, what we've done in uh, farm bill policy. They're, in many ways, totally opposite. And so um, even though, obviously, I want to help and have supported uh, helping our farmers, I think, you know, if this is not done fairly, um, it's also, and it's, so far, it's not been done fairly in terms of regions hit the hardest, types of crops, farmers hit the hardest. It just hasn't been. Um, it's going to make us harder to have a, a farm bill coalition. You know, I want to have 87 votes again when we pass another farm bill. But um, it makes it very difficult when uh, we are not seeing support across the country for all parts of the Agricultural Coalition. If there is to be another assistance package through the Senate, some are calling for a 15% increase in SNAP spending. Uh, others might like to see the Family Food Box program continue. Uh, is nutrition a part of a new assistance package? It, nutrition has to be a part of it. And in every other crisis that we've had in our country, we have increased uh, uh, SNAP benefits uh, during that time. 
a 15% increase uh, is just going to be enough to allow uh, folks to actually to use what is the most efficient way possible, which is provide folks the capacity to go to the grocery store, to be able to purchase the food they need, the grocery store, the processor, the farmer, uh, all benefit from that. The family benefits from that. It is by far and away the most efficient way to do things. Less overhead, much more uh, direct to people. Uh, there is um, accountability uh, uh, for all of these systems. And so that's what needs to happen. And when we talk about a farm bill coalition that has allowed us to get 87 out of 100 United States senators to vote for it, it's because we didn't pit families against farmers. It's a serious mistake, serious mistake. I mean, we help farmers when families can buy food. And um, if we are not able to support families, um, you know, our food banks are, are seeing it's the double what they normally see of folks that need help. And, uh, you know, if we're not able to support uh, families, again, this is just fraying what has been a very successful farm and family coalition for agriculture. And uh, I, I hope that doesn't happen because that's going to uh, make it, you know, much more difficult for us to pass another farm bill. Senator, 2020 is decision time for voters. What approach does the triad team of Biden, Stabenow, and Peterson bring to the table for agriculture? And do you see a different approach under that team than what we might have in place now? Well, what you have are folks that care deeply about agriculture. You know, I grew up in northern Michigan and in a small town and with uh, my relatives being in farming and uh, have been committed to agriculture uh, in every position that I've been honored to serve in, both uh, locally, as state, and uh, federally. And so we've we put together farm bills with strong bipartisan support and uh, Colin Peters and I have worked together on behalf of uh, farmers, and I've worked when uh, uh, Joe Biden was in the Senate. He was always supportive of what we were doing, as, as well as vice president. So I think what you get is um, folks that are um, strongly committed to uh, uh, agriculture, to great conservation, to creating new markets uh, through uh, carbon uh, credits and other uh, revenue streams for farmers, and you get folks that are committed to rural communities. You know, we've got to have rural broadband everywhere. I mean, this is what I'm, I'm so tired of talking about this. We just need to get it done. Farmers and businesses and schools, we've seen under COVID-19, too many children in Michigan weren't able to uh, study remotely because they didn't have high-speed Internet. So it's about quality of life. We want kids you know, if they go to college, coming back home uh, in in our small towns, and uh, it, it it's about the rural hospitals. I mean, when what you get with as a team, you know, of uh, the three of us are folks that will be committed to the entire quality of life of rural communities and small towns. The rural hospitals staying open, the schools staying open. You know, with the capacity to have the latest technology, the ability to start and be successful uh, in uh, a business as well as on the farm. Um, it, it's so important that we have a commitment to quality of life 
in rural communities. Senator Stabenow, we want to thank you for being with us on this edition of Open Mic, and we offer you the opportunity for the last word. Well, I just want to thank all of our farmers and ranchers that, um, you know, have been hit so hard, but keep on going. You know, um, you're, you're feeding all of us as well as the world, and, uh, you know, I'm very, just very grateful, and uh, I hope you'll, you'll hang in there, and we'll do everything we can to support you. Our thanks to Senate Ag Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta and their well-being portal. We're all stronger together. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.